everyone, and welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast, Brian London. He is Brandon O'Doy. Follow us on all of the socials. Follow him at Brandon underscore O'Doy. Follow me at Miami Radio Beast. And the most important thing, this is the most important thing, is subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast: Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and then go listen to it. Like you're driving down the street, going to pick up a pizza, because uh, the game's on, well, listen to the podcast while you're going to get that pizza, right? I mean, wh- wh- whatever it takes. Whenever you're in the car doing the honeydews, that's when you listen to the podcast. That's what you do. Uh, Brandon, it is another week, and we have another hire for the University of Miami. They have their defensive backs yeah. coach in Chevis Jackson. He comes to the University of Miami from Marshall, where he spent uh, a year under Lance Gidry, who was the defensive coordinator there before he came to the University of Miami, and they had one of the best defenses in the nation. This guy is an up-and-coming coach. And obviously, as we talked about last week on the show, and then we even teased this name the week before that, we have the info. If you people would just listen, we give it to you. But uh, as we said, these coordinators are being allowed by Mario to have some some hand-picked selections on their staff. Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, Mario Cristobal allowing his coordinators to kind of get involved with, you know, the hiring guys that know their schemes, familiar with how they want to play, the speed, uh, the style, and different things like that. You cannot argue with the production and the development under Jamila Dye, Tyreek Stevenson, who's the second rounder, who looks to be rookie of the year candidate-ish, all of the things around – you know, how Darren Porter has played and developed because he had a really bad, I mean, a really mediocre, I would say, I won't say bad, mediocre year one. And year two, he was lights out. And he's right. played his way into the first round conversation uh, because he literally only gave up one pass all of last year. So you have a really strong foundation and in walks, you know, Coach Jackson. And his status is he's a Lance Gidry guy. And Lance Gidry is also a back-end defensive back safety kind of guy as far as a coach is concerned. So now you've got the front end being handled by Jason Taylor and Joseph A. You've got D. Nick at the linebacker spot. you got two guys that see things the same way in the back end, right? And so this is a big deal because now there's no excuse about philosophical differences. You know what I mean? Because the back end is all controlled by the guys with the same defensive mind, okay? There's no, you know, there's no bridge. So there's also, you know, no excuse to make. Now, the problem also is, you know, Chef Jackson gets this job and he's got to find two starting safeties. Usually you have to place one guy, you have to place, you know, you know, you got an incoming guy coming back. He's had a lot of time playing behind. You don't have that. You, you got a really talented freshman. You got a lot of guys who spent two or three years in the program but don't have snaps. And so you're going to have to find two guys to man that safety rotation after two dudes that are probably going to get drafted pretty high were there and they both left in the same season. And that's what you want. And that's that's Miami football. of Olden Beach, you know it better than me. You know, you didn't have guys for – you know, four and five years. That, that, that just wasn't the case. These guys were three and done, in and out, draftable, NFL, and then most of the time for the elite guys, gold jackets. And that's how it went at the U for years. And when it gets back to that, it's not something to be afraid of. It's kind of good, but, you know, it does 
create a little bit of an issue. You got to find new guys. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm always going to take it back. We, we were talking actually before the show about our different experiences and, you know, how I was, you know, on the field for the glory days and doing my sideline reporting and all that stuff and on the broadcast. But, you know, I sat there and watched, there goes Ed Reed. He's one of the best I've ever seen. And now here comes Sean Taylor and he's one of the best I've ever seen. Or there's Antro Roll and following him, there's a Kenny Phillips. And like, you know, it just, it just kept reloading like that until it didn't. Can, can I say this? With you saying that, because sometimes I'm looking at you and I know some people probably do this like around Twitterverse. And it's like, man, you can be kind of like over the top. But I mean, when you, when I just heard you talk and rehearse how life was. Right. And now you're having to live in this world. Right. Hard. Even for like a very mild-mannered, laid-back kind of like, you literally have two of the best guys to ever play a position. And then a really good first round draftable guy in role coming behind. And you really haven't had anybody back there since possibly kitchens that even gives you the aroma of some of the guys that you, you know what I'm saying? And that's the yeah. part. Like, I don't think people are giving Canes fans who've been around since those late 90s, early 2000s, I don't think people are really sensitive enough to where you guys are on this program. And I want to repent. I want to confess I have been inappropriate with you guys. (laughs) And, and, And with you specifically, Beast, although I've kept a lot of it to myself, Oh, thanks. That's hard. That's hard. That's hard to deal with. That's 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 not easy. So this is the one that always puts everything in perspective for me. And I know, listen, I'm an old head. I get it. I got gray in my beard. All of that, right? But <laughs> this is the one that puts it into per- perspective. We just saw uh, Andre Johnson. He's going to get inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, the Pro Football yep. Hall of Fame, right? Hall of Famer, Bonafide, one of the best receivers to ever do it. Andre Johnson came to the University of Miami as one of the best physical specimens I ever saw. He gets out there on Green Tree day one, and I'm like, I haven't seen it. This is this is different, right? Andre Johnson, right? He had to redshirt. He couldn't get on the field. There was a Santana Moss and a Reggie Wayne and an Andre King and a Daryl Jones and down the line and Andre Johnson had to redshirt. Think about that. Hall of Famer couldn't get on the field. That puts it into perspective always for me. Yeah. I mean, that was the U and that's what made it, you know, what it is. The only decade this team has not won a national championship since basically football started was right. the 70s and the 2010s, you know? And, you know, there's no other team that can say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so you've had kind of 10 years where you've checked out, and it kind of gets to the point of seeing, can this ship be righted? You know, can this thing get back to, you know, some of what it's been? And, um, you know, that's what we're here to find out on the Mario Cristobal in year three. And we've got all offseason to really deep dive into this. But 
Yeah, that's that's what we want to figure out. So with, with Coach Jackson, it's just, hey, come in, show us your line with Gidry. Show us that, okay, there are levels to this defense. You know what I mean? Because you're going to have speed. You're going to have speed, and you're going to have corners. No excuse on the corners. You got Porter. You got Davis. You got Devontae Brown. You got dudes. Back in safety, I'll give you some leeway. You can get a game or two to figure things out. Those corners are who they are. They're good to go. So show us there are levels. Show us what we haven't seen when there's cohesiveness back there. Now, I'm not saying a die and, and get you didn't get along, but they're not philosophically aligned the way that these two should be. Okay? And he's coming in the spring. There's a little time to get it together. I want to see some – I want to see that you guys are really together on things. And the good thing about Chavis Jackson, or, or a couple of notes, is one, he's got great pedigree, right? He he uh, went to LSU and won a national championship there, so he's been to the highest levels of college football. And two, uh, even though he doesn't Can have – Can you explain that? Did he win a championship as a player or a coach? Nobody said player. Player, two thousand player in two thousand eight, uh, they beat Ohio State. Uh, so he was so he, a he national was championship state. player. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, uh, Les Miles, Les Miles, Les Miles. Yeah, and then yeah. um, he he's young. Uh, he's young. Yeah, he's young. But and then also immediately gets into the coaching game and makes his way to Ball State. And it would say where you ever say whatever you want about the MAC, but he won MAC Recruiter of the Year. And to me. That shows that he should be able to adapt, right? Because he all he knows is the Deep South. He grew up in Alabama. He, he he goes to LSU, but then he goes into the Midwest in Ball State and develops relationships with high school coaches there to win Recruit of the Year. That tells me he'll be able to come down to South Florida, develop relationships with high school coaches down here, uh, and and do a good job recruiting. I, I think that's a good thing about Chevis Jackson that I've heard is that he can adapt to where he's at and make the most out of the situation. So I, I think I think that's a good thing about Chevis Jackson. And again, it's another wait to see, right? Yeah, and, and I'm not actually as concerned about him recruiting. I know Adad took some heat from Canes fans. He, he didn't close on bigger recruits. You know, Jackson's being given an incredible advantage. Miami is, by all accounts, doing well in the NIL space, okay? So he's going to have some backing. What he's got to do is close the gap on that elite guy that you just don't see. I mean, you got a DJ Pickett out here. You got some big-time defensive backs. And I guess you've seen, you know, like four and five stars at other positions. You haven't seen it on defense as much and in the back end as much. And and that's where, you know, you got to have a guy like a Caleb Downs. This is a guy who's a true freaking freshman, comes to Alabama, starts for Nick Saban, and is like a freaking All-American. Like, imagine if Miami had been in the conversation for this dude, and he's right up the road. He's literally in Atlanta, Georgia. So, and and everybody thought he was a shoe-in to go to Georgia once he got in the portal. Where'd he end up? Ohio State. So, yes, that's what we'd like to see. But recruiting-wise, okay, you're pretty good. That's good. You're going to have all the resources you need in the NIL game. Can you close the big fish? That's really all we want to see. Because otherwise, the bag will get most of the other stuff done. He doesn't. He just has to be able to open his mouth. I want to see can he can he get that top one percent, and that's what we're going to see. But to me, on the field will be more important. You can win with three star DBs. 
on the field, scheming and developing. Can you develop in the offseason? Can you get these guys that really haven't contributed? Can you get them ready to go to the swamp and, and play on national television, you know, opening week of the season? Can you do that? You know what I mean? And it's all on you because you're there now. You're with Gidry. There's no one to blame. You know, like, let's see what you can do. And if you can do it, I'll sing your praises. I'll sing your praises. But this ain't Marshall, buddy. You know, and, and so we're going to be paying attention. Ooh, this ain't Marshall gets thrown down by Brandon O'Doy. We will uh, we'll remember that. We hey, will, man, we we, to- hey, it, listen, no more babysitting coaches. No more babysitting oh, coaches. Okay. No more babysitting coaches, man. We're, we're, we're past that. Seven and listen. five, five and seven. Take a knee. We're, we're not babysitting anybody anymore. Okay? Do what you're supposed to do. You get paid a lot of money. No babysitting. By the way, just as a side note, babysitters get paid a lot of money these days. When I was growing up, it's like five bucks <laughs> Listen, an hour. Don't talk about it. Now I have to mortgage my house hour, if I need man. a babysitter. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Listen, you know a guy that does not need babysitting because he is he is beyond his years is Liam Willerup, right? This dude is just dominating the media scene. And we need to get we look, Brandon, I I thought I was going to have an existential crisis watching the Canes against Duke play basketball. Bad things were happening. Uh, granted, Nigel Pack was, was was not playing, but they lost by 30, and I thought I was going to ruin several frat, flat screen TVs. We got to get some the black uniforms. Yeah, Stop uh, wearing them. Yeah, sure. That's what it is. Yeah, it's the black uniforms. We, we need to get – We need to, you know what? We need better analysis than it's the black uniforms, which is why we're going to talk to Liam Willer up on the other side. We talk Kane's Hoops. It's the Real Ones Kane's podcast. Go subscribe wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back right after this. Real Ones Canes podcast on the Beast Brian London. He is Brandon O'Doy. And now we have to bring on one of our favorite people. He, he, he has to, you know what? He gets punished every Saturday during the uh, football season because he has to sit in front of Brandon and myself and Cam just arguing back and forth in the press box. He just takes it all. It just goes right on his back and into his brain. He's Liam Willerup. You can follow him on uh, the socials at the lefty Liam, and then you can get all of his stuff at uh, All Hurricanes, which is part of the Fan Nation Network. You just you just just Google his name, Liam Willerup. He's got a million stories out there. The dude cranks out content better than anyone, and he knows Canes hoops. Liam, we got to talk about this Canes basketball team. Uh, they they almost made it to the promised land last year, right? Gotten further than any Canes team before, and this year it has been nothing but depression. Um, put some perspective on how we find ourselves with a year like this. Yeah, you know, it's tough. I was actually, you know, on the floor there at NRG Stadium to watch that happen, you know, as disappointing as it was, you know, I had real big hopes going into that season, especially, you know, names like Wuga Poplar, who were big, you know, names going into the year. Uh, Jim Laranega praised him going into the season. And unfortunately, whether it be due to injuries or other external factors, it hasn't been the same. I mean, let's take a look at that Duke game. Obviously, we know going into it uh, earlier in the day that Nigel Pack would not be playing, and then all of a sudden it comes out that Matthew Cleveland is dealing with an illness and he can't play. But, you know, maybe it wasn't even Matthew Cleveland who we needed. We just needed something out there because this team looked completely lost. 
I mean, just watching the game, you know, Bensley Joseph isn't really meant to be that guy that what Nigel Pack is, where he's kind of creating offense for the team. No one really knew what they were doing. You know, Keyshawn George got in, I mean, got in foul trouble. So Miami opted to keep him out for the last 10 minutes of the half with two fouls, which was kind of an interesting choice from what I saw. And then, you know, there's really no one kind of connecting to it because if they shut down Norchad O'Meara, there's no one Miami can go to that they can trust. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to. The problem is this Miami team is so dependent on their two players in Nigel Pack and Norchad O'Meara that when everyone else gets their number called, it seems like they almost have stage fright and they don't know what to do in these situations. Liam, were we naive and think, were we, you know, naive and thinking that this team was going to be uh, maybe as successful without a Zay Wong and a Jordan Miller uh, who, who, who left to take their talents to the next level? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting situation. I mean, looking after, you know, our trip over to the Bahamas, we win that tournament against Kansas State, you know, going off that, going into the game against Kentucky. I think what people were thinking was, hey, whoever wins this game is going to look like a national championship contender. Whether or not, you know, Kentucky still is at the moment, I know they've had their problems, but, you know, they have a number one overall draft pick likely sitting on their bench. But with Miami, it seems like, you know, we really are starting to notice how important it was having guys like Jordan and Isaiah and having a competent bench around them. I feel like that was kind of what we were blindsided by because we were all looking at, oh, Wuga Poplar starting the season. He's shooting, you know, 60% from three and this, that, and the other thing. But when it came down to, you know, getting into the nitty gritty of the schedule, you know, our two biggest games of the season, we go to Kentucky, you know, not expecting too much out of this game because we knew, you know, go into a hostile arena environment like that. And then uh, then we go over to Barclays Center in Brooklyn to go play Colorado, who is without their top freshman in Cody Williams, and we get absolutely dismantled. I feel like kind of those two games kind of put everything into perspective for Canes fans to realize, hey, you know, you had an ACC player of the year on your team, and you had arguably one of the most underrated players in the country in Jordan Miller on your team as well. And we kind of overlooked that. And even, you know, guys like a Harlan Beverly and, you know, Anthony Walker may is what he is. And he, he played minutes on this team more consistently than a guy like AJ Casey does who fills his role. So, um, yeah, I'd say kind of by that, that Brooklyn game, I feel like people should have realized that, you know, this team is not exactly what it thought it was. And an uphill battle uh, is definitely not what it's been. It's been a slipping slippery slope. So I hate to bring this up, Liam, but, I got to ask the question that nobody has the guts to uh, is Larry Nagin's day passed. And, you know, we thank him for what he's done. This is, guy, is there a way to, you know, politely say, thank you, coach. You're one of the best coaches that ever coached here. Appreciate you. This game has passed you by. And Oh, by the way, let's look up the turnpike. There's a guy named dusty who's getting it done with far less. Uh, he seems to be a pretty good coach and a program builder. We're going to start. The future starts today. Thank you for everything you've done. Hey, you want to save an office up in the uh, uh, the, the, the BB&T or whatever they call it? Hey, um, it's just time to move on. I mean, am I crazy? Am, am, am I a football guy talking basketball? Help me out here. No, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, it's Larry Negus not going to have a super long time here. Honestly, Miami will never fire him. I think that's absolutely blasphemy. But people come out and say that because no one really be able to done what he's done here in Miami. Of course, no one has raised a final four banner here in Miami besides Jim Larry Uh Otherwise, I do think 
Honestly, I think he's, you know, don't think there's any problems going into this offseason. I think this this team has put a lot of toll on him. You know, in his postgame press conference against Duke, he was livid talking about how this team has no effort. You know, like certain guys don't run back, this, that, and the other thing. You can kind of assume based on what he means by that, who those players are. Uh, but I do think next season is going to be very telling for him, especially with Jaleel Bethea coming in, who's arguably the best prospect. My, well, it is the best prospect Miami has ever had. Uh, as a freshman going into the season so I think next season tells a lot he might it might be kind of a setup season I could see definitely one of his I don't think Miami actually goes to a dusty May or something like that I think Miami really wants to stay internal with their staff you know whether it's a DJ Irving or a Bill Courtney that they promote from internal I think that's the way Miami wants to go you know someone that's going to have that like-mindedness system Uh, honestly yeah dusty May you know he's been doing well up there at FAU but I feel like Miami's going to want to definitely from promote from within, but I would say that I wouldn't expect more than three years left from uh, Coach Larnega, just because you know he is getting up there in age, and I know Leonard Hamilton's going to be you know calling it quits himself up in FSU very shortly as well. All right, before I ask the next question, I just want to make this point: it's not like Jim Larnega took the team to the Final Four six years ago, and then for the last seven, you know, for the last five years they've sucked, and now you're going to question his age. He literally took the team uh, to the Final Four uh, a year ago, so let's just hold off on oh he's too old because you know what? When I was at his introductory press conference, when I was at the introductory press conference, okay, we were asking the question then: Is he too old to come coach Miami? And look what he's done ever since. So. You know, just just calm your corpuscles there. By the way, I, I was, can, can that, someone tell me what the, the hell? Same, I need to know what. A, I, yeah, I need to know what a corpuscle is. By the way, because I say calm your corpuscles, I don't know what a corpuscle is, but that's a story for a different time. And Brandon, I do know you were at that press conference. I think we sat right next to each other, but that's a that's a different story. Liam, you talk about Jaleel Pathea coming in. Miami's got a great <laughs> recruiting class, but there's no big man. They need a big man. What am I missing? Yeah, I think Miami really wants to get a guy that's a veteran, and it seems like they didn't really find a guy that you know they were able to attach themselves with. I know they were in the mix for some forwards, but it never really ended up going their way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they got two shooting guards, uh, Bethea and Swartz, and then they have a, another small forward as well who uh, no telling how big his role will be. But I definitely think it's, you know, Miami kind of – is putting pressure on North Chad O'Meara to potentially return for another season, for his fifth season. I feel like that's going to be a big telling if this team can be able to go, you know, as far as it can. But who knows? You know, he's taken such a big leap in his game this year. I am not at all going out there and saying, you know, he's going to be drafted in the NBA or anything like that. But it might be, you know, North Chad might think, hey, I've done my time here in Miami. It might be time for me to move on this, that, and the other way. So I think Miami's target, I think this transfer portal class is going to be uh, a whirlwind of not even only people exiting Miami, but I think of people coming in because Miami brought in five freshmen last year. Really, I guess three of them have played roles. Two of them uh, haven't really done much at all. And, you know, Miami currently has sets at three enrollees. And I think that we might see about four to five players uh, leave. And some people that you might be surprised to see uh, enter the transfer portal as well. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about uh, Norchad O'Mare may possibly coming back and, and NIL deals can, going to kind of help that equation but again you're talking about him as the big man right now he's only six seven like what how how much better would he be if there was a bona fide you know seven footer i know they don't grow on trees but let's say a six ten six eleven guy 
a bona fide guy. I know they got Nwoko uh, on there. How much better would Norchad be if some of the pressure was taken off his back by playing alongside a guy that was bigger? Yeah. I mean, I definitely see the argument for that, but at the same time, you look at the success Miami had when they had Sam Wardenberg there, and then obviously what O'Meara's done in his time there. Because uh, I mean, they made the final, the lead eight with Sam Wardenberg, who's kind of a stretch big, and they really right. had Jordan Miller playing the four, uh, and then obviously Jordan Miller was playing the four in their last run. Uh, I think what it needs to be is a player that can really stretch the floor. You can't. People were saying, "Oh, let's bring in," you know. Um, Jesse Edwards, who transferred from Syracuse to West Virginia. Jesse Edwards is not what we need. We don't need a guy that can rim run, who essentially just clogs up the paint. Obviously, Norchad has showed an ability to shoot from outside, but you don't want to basically say, hey, Norchad, we're going to turn you into a spot-up shooter on offense. That's the last thing you want out of him. I think the best-case scenario is you allow a situation where if you do add someone taller, it's someone that can allow for you to play five out on offense. You allow Norchad to be able to have those driving reins lanes when he takes on you know a switch when he gets a smaller defender on him when he can kind of bully ball him uh, and then you know I mean we've seen the minutes with and Woko I don't know if I'm really in love with those minutes together uh, so I think if Miami does pursue a big man it needs to be you know maybe like a six eight six nine guy that can stretch the floor that's definitely what I think can fill the void especially if we see you know a guy like Poplar leave which would slide Cleveland up uh, and so forth all right we got to ask the question as we're projecting out 2025 is being recruited now. Does it look like there's some positivity on the recruiting trail? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one. Obviously, the two names everyone wants to talk about are Cameron and Caden Boozer. I mean, obviously. you know, local talents here at Columbus. Um, you know, obviously, their dad did go to Duke and played there and ended up going to the NBA. So, probably wasn't a good sight that they're sitting, you know, four rows from the court watching uh, that complete domination by Duke on our home court last night, uh, the other day. But, I mean, it seems like from the other targets Miami has, it's a lot of combo guards. I know everyone's going to be upset. Why don't they go get, you know, a center, a forward, or this, that, and the other thing. If you go through and look who Miami has offered, it's a majority of combo guards, shooting guards, uh, point guards, because Miami wants to be able to run that same offense that Jim Laranagas had success with. So, I know as much disappointing as it may be that, you know, why is it Miami getting that true seven-footer? You know, that's doesn't seem to be in the plans for Miami at the moment, at least on the recruiting trail. Maybe it shows that Miami's looking for more of a veteran big, kind of alluring to what I said earlier with maybe looking to get a stretch uh, big out there who's maybe, you know, a junior, senior uh, going into his final seasons. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's really about it with the class of 2025 from what we've seen. It's been a lot of guards. I know uh, we've had some, uh, some of our coaches have been doing some in-home visits and visits out there. But yeah, that I mean, uh, Cameron Boozers. I mean, he's the only one that would classify as a big. I mean, he is a power forward, but he he does a lot of his work when he's handling the ball, uh, kind of like a Cooper Flag does in this twenty twenty four class. All right, last question, and we'll get you out of here, Liam. Again, Liam Willerup does an amazing job. Go follow him on all the socials at Lefty Liam, and then go read all of his stuff at All Hurricanes, a part of the Fan Nation Network. Uh, we will put the link in the description to go find all of his stuff because he really is uh, one of the up-and-comers. This dude is going to... Uh in no time, uh, just pass Brandon and myself by. We're the old heads. We're going to be taking naps. Liam's going to be getting all the work done. Uh, if you had to project, <laughs> if you had to project what the starting five could be next year, just to give me a little hope, just to give me something, just to 
just to wet my whistle a little bit, just to just to take me out of my Kane's basketball depression. Mm-hmm. What, what what do you think it looks like? I think it's I think Nigel returns. I feel like that's the stance that I've been kind of strong on. I know there's the whole NIL deal that was two years, but I do see him returning, especially the way injuries have been this year. I do think it's Bethea there at the two. Um, I do also think you put Cleveland back up at the three. I I do see potential exodus from Wuga Poplar. I know that's going to be sound surprising to see here. Uh, and then I think it's, um, you know, a, a four that's brought in either the transfer portal or some other addition. And then I think uh, it'll either be, it might be Norchad himself or uh, uh, maybe in Wolko there at the five. So I, I do, I'm really confident on thinking that Nigel Pack will return uh, and that, you know, we might see some exodus from other players. And I do think Keyshawn George uh, will definitely explore his options going to the NBA just because of how the aura around him has been this season. So I'd say yeah. I'll be confident Pack, Bethea, Cleveland, a transfer in Omir. All right. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to have to marinate on that. No, I don't know. I'll let you know down the line. We'll have to, we'll have to do this again. Liam, thank you for taking the time, my friend. Uh, we love chatting up with you on Saturdays and we love following your uh, Canes basketball coverage. And we know you have that CV to work on because you're about to graduate from UM. So, mm. hey, listen, listen, if you need a recommendation letter, Definitely, definitely don't ask me, but ask Brandon because he's he's a writer. I'm a talker. Gotcha. Well, I'll see yeah. you guys in spring football. Looking forward to it. All right, we'll do. Thanks, Liam. Appreciate you, buddy. All right, we're gonna take a break. On the other side, uh, we gotta we gotta talk about what's coming up next week and yeah. the week after that down at the U. We will do that after this. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. Props to Liam Willerup for joining us on the show. Don't forget, we'll uh, put the links to all his work uh, in the description of the episode. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, all of that stuff. Follow us. Follow Brandon at Brandon underscore Odoy. Follow me at Miami Radio Beast. Brandon, we are not too far away from spring practice being underway. March 4th is when it starts, which means... Next week, we will be previewing spring practice, and uh, I guess we're all here for the Cam Ward show. I'm excited, man. You talk about Miami finally having that go-to national name at quarterback. And so, Beast, we're excited about what this team can become behind this young man. And, hey, there's depth. If anything happens, and I would never wish this, but if anything happens, you got a very exciting backup. You've got Curry Brown, who's stewing, who's ready to compete. you got some interesting receivers coming in and making some things happen. Josiah Trader's already on campus. So, I don't know, Beast. I'm excited. Spring ball is just around the corner. Yeah, it's going to be hard to contain my excitement because I'm going to be all about every throw that Cam Ward makes. On the other hand... I know uh, it's only spring practice and things can can change and get a lot better or, you know, other things can happen and get a lot worse between now and uh, that first kickoff 
against uh, the Florida Gators up in Gainesville. But we will uh, give you a little taste of previews of spring practice next week. And who knows what else will develop in Miami Hurricanes Nation. We'll bring that to you as well. Again, thanks to Liam Willerup for joining us. Brandon, appreciate you, my friend, and appreciate everyone for watching and listening. Again, go subscribe to the podcast wherever you get the podcast. And if you're listening to the podcast, go subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the thumbs up and give a nice little comment and all of that stuff so we can get the algorithm just just loving the Real Ones Canes podcast. All right, everybody, until next time, go Canes, and we'll see you when we see you. Peace! You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.